Good morning, church. Uh, today we'll be reading from Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9. And as I was reading over this, I thought, man, I'm so jealous of the way Joshua got to hear directly from God, but I am not jealous of his charge at all. <laughs> so read here with me. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Big girl. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. You can do it. Big girl. Come on. Oh. Big girl. Come to Dada. Come on. Oh, come on. Big girl. <laughs> Yay. Come on. Come on, you can come. <laughs> Yay. I know, right? <clears throat> that dad's laugh. That's not me, by the way. If somebody's like, wait, who is that? Um, some guy online. So congratulations, buddy. Uh, that dad's laugh always gets me. Uh, just he's so excited. There's something truly monumental about the first steps of our lives, aren't there? Um, and really, when you, when you step back and you think about those firsts in your life, they always have this drastic impact on the rest of our lives. For example... Those first days of middle school drastically impact middle school, don't they? Um, I have some terrifying memories of middle school. Uh, th those first days on the job, those first moments you have to make a significant leadership decision, that first date, all of these, all of these firsts come with, with these feelings of risk. They, if they feel absolutely terrifying and, and, and are absolutely essential if we want to grow as human beings. And when it comes to the life of faith, 
bold faith, it's also just as true. This is why over the past couple weeks, we've been in a series rediscovering, exploring bold faith. Because we as a church, we as, as one church together collectively feeling this monumental, unique moment that is ahead of us. We believe that God has given us an opportunity to move this mission forward. And, and we know it's not going to be easy. You see, Christ Community is one church stretched across five campuses across Kansas City. And across those campuses, the pastoral staff with the affirmation of the elder board and team believe that the need both here in downtown and in our Shawnee Mission community for a more stable and more adequate space is urgent. Now, I've said this every week, but we know the church is more than a building. Okay, I want to make that very clear. But we also know that an adequately sized and configured space is, is really, really helpful and being a catalyst in this shared mission and expanding this shared mission. And, and on Sunday morning, that feels pretty obvious as you're trying to find a seat this morning and as our kids are walking to a different building this morning, that, that feels fairly obvious. But on Monday, those opportunities are also robust. I mean, I've sat down with the mayor's office, some of the folks in the mayor's office, and they're like, please start a preschool because there's so much need and hunger for that downtown, but not enough people stepping forward. There's opportunity for us to do that on Monday with a larger space. As you saw the beautiful story of one artist in our space, we'd love to have a studio space for an artist in residence and what it would look like to have a space where the church is a catalyst to good art stirring good ideas, and inviting people into a, a more contemplative life and pointing them to the gospel, of course. And then there are opportunities around immigrants and refugees wanting to start new businesses. What would it look like for our space to be a place where they could maybe have that starting office space to be a catalyst to launch these great businesses for the broader economy of Kansas City and the world? I mean, the, the opportunities are there. And the unique moment that we have for us is that we do have two buildings, one here in downtown and one in Shawnee Mission, where we are hoping to purchase, okay, we're in those negotiations to purchase pending congregational approval. Now, that's terrifying, and we don't know how we're going to purchase two buildings, um, and so we thought, hey, let's talk about bold faith. <laughs> because us as a church, we want to know more deeply what does bold faith actually look like when those obstacles or staring you there in the face, what does it look like to genuinely, authentically, without being stupid, step forward and watch God work? So two weeks ago, we began this journey. And what we learned about bold faith is that bold faith sees today's obstacles in light of God's previous work. Bold faith is not what we've said, this blind leap, right? Instead, bold faith looks at how God's worked in the past to buoy courage in the present that God will indeed take care of our future. And so we took some time to remember together as a church. And then last week, we saw how bold faith, one of the greatest catalysts of bold faith, it has much more to do with a who than a what. Because knowing who is with you drastically changes what you see before you. And the way we kind of landed the plane is understanding that bold faith includes God in our we. When we understand that God is with us and that he's for us, then fear has no power over us. And now today, kind of spending, having spent some time together remembering, having, you know, assessed who indeed is with us, in our last sermon in this three-week series, even still, we come to see that bold faith takes a big first step. It's not blind. We're not alone. 
And yet even still, we're called to take a really big step, okay? So how? How do we take this first big step? We thought it appropriate to go to Joshua, one of Israel's greatest leaders in their history, who learned this lesson, who learned how to do this before he was great, which gives us great confidence that we too can learn to do the same. And so today as we come to our passage, beginning in Joshua 1, we're going to look at three crucial expectations we need to have as people if we ever expect to step out. Three crucial expectations we need to have if we ever expect to step out, okay? So please turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Now, over the past two weeks, we've been in Numbers 13 and 14. We saw Israel fail to step out in bold faith. And today, we land 40 years later, a new generation. And now Joshua is at the helm here at Joshua chapter 1. Where did Moses go? You know, Moses, who confronted Pharaoh, Moses, who parted the Red Sea, Moses, who met with God on Mount Sinai and went into the tent of meeting with his face glowing. Where's Moses? He's dead. He's done. But God isn't. Only now, God meets with Joshua, and he gives him this pep talk. And and the best way to kind of summarize this charge, as Shannon mentioned, this charge that God gives to Joshua in verses 5 through 9 in the passage that was just read for us, is that God is essentially saying, hey, Joshua, you know what? I'm with you now, like I was with Moses. But here's the deal. Just listen to me. And if you trust me enough, if you just trust me enough to obey me, then everything's going to be okay. That's how we would summarize what we just heard read, just this initial step, okay? And here's what we learn. Here's the first expectation we need to have, knowing the text that was just read for us, the first expectation we need to have if we ever expect to step out in bold faith, and it's this. Our first step is always a step of courageous obedience. Our first step is always a step of courageous obedience. Always. Always. If you want to lead a life of bold faith, then you need to be willing and ready to obey at all costs, at all costs, especially when it's terrifying. And what's so fascinating here is that God is abundantly clear as to what Joshua is to do, right? He says, hey, I want you to rise. I want you to go over to the Jordan, go over the Jordan River, and I want you to take the land that I am giving you. Do this, abundantly clear. And yet, God still speaks to Joshua's fears. How? By reminding him of his promises that he's made to Israel throughout history and continuing to command him forward. Promise and command. So get on with it. Now right here, I'm always wanting these litmus tests. You know, you know, what's the, and right here we find a key difference between bold faith and bold stupidity. BS, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you know, what's the difference between bold faith and bold Stupidity. Now, now we've, we've heard and seen, I'm sure we all have, these people who have this great gumption and they do really big things driven by their own initiative, right? They go away maybe and then they come back with this grand vision conjured up in their imagination and we say, what a visionary leader. And that's fine, but we also need to understand that that's not how we define bold faith. Not first and foremost. You see, bold faith doesn't start with the gut. It doesn't start with what's been, quote-unquote, laid on our heart. Bold faith starts with what God has said in his word. 
Bold faith, in other words, always starts and ends with obedience. And you find that just abundantly clear right here with Joshua, right? Look at how the Word of God is central to Joshua's calling as a leader in this dynamic moment in Israel's history. Look with me at verse 7. We see this, right? Verse 7, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Jump down to verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God makes it abundantly clear that if we're ever to step out in bold faith, his word has to be at the center. And I want to be also clear. We've said this every week, and I just don't want anybody to get confused here. We understand we're not Israel, okay? It's not like we can just put ourselves right in that spot unequivocally. We also understand that these two buildings that are ahead of us, that are before us, um, they're not the promised land. And so you're not going to find Christ's community say, come out and say, we've got this bold, grand vision as to where God will take us. And if he doesn't take us there, then God's failed us or somehow misspoken. To no, 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 no. Here's what we know. We know what God has commanded every follower of Jesus and those who not only want to place their faith in Jesus, but have the faith of Jesus. And it comes right at Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Go therefore making disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is our, as the church, the great commission. And one thing that was really exciting that happened on Wednesday, one aspect of this uh, disciple multiplying mission, we seek to kind of carried out through our Razor's Edge class. And on Wednesday, our latest Razor's Edge class came to a close, came to a climax as we're talking about our calling for all of life. And we saw men and women across downtown and even broader than downtown who are seeking to better understand what it means to become razor sharp and following Jesus in every sector and every sphere of their life. It was beautiful. It was exciting. And we're seeing more people grow in what it means to actually do that when they follow Jesus. We have a command to make, as the church, to make disciples. And we believe that these buildings will actually be a facilitating element to expand our capacity to do just that. And here's the thing. Uh, whenever God calls you to obey him, even when he's really clear, it's often really terrifying. <laughs> it's often really terrifying. That's why when we talk about this first step, being a step of obedience, it's not just that it's obedience, it's courageous obedience. So many times, I think when we think about God leading us in a certain direction, we use the language peace, and that's appropriate sometimes, right? God gave me a peace about this, and that's fine. But what does God give Joshua here? Often when God calls us to take a step of bold faith, he doesn't make us comfortable and feel great about it. He gives us courage in the midst of the tension and says, I know this is terrifying, but step out. More often than not, when it's real bold faith, when it's these moments that just shake us and feel utterly terrifying, he might not give us a peace. He might give us courage instead. And sometimes that's better. 
Sometimes that's better. Because he doesn't want us to feel like we can step out and be adequate in and of ourselves. In those moments, in those really big moments, he wants us to, to remember we're not adequate in ourselves. But he is, and he's with us. And so I want you to think just before we, you know, we, 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 we're kind of in this unique moment together collectively as a church. But I want you to think very personal here. Where in your life, as you think about just the different areas of your life, where, where do you feel like God's calling you to step out in courageous obedience? Are we listening to how he's clearly spoken? Are we willing? Because listen, the first step of bold faith, it's always a doozy, all right? Always. So be prepared. Expect that. Don't expect it to be easy at the beginning. It's often extraordinarily difficult. But there's something else we need to expect as well. And let's keep moving on. Let's fast forward actually in this story to Joshua chapter 3. And we come to the people of God. They're finally there at the Jordan River. There's a lot of things that have been going on. And they set up camp for the night. Joshua chapter 3. And, and you've got to imagine just all of, the, all of the promises coming. You heard about the previous generation, how they didn't step out. So you're there on the Jordan River bank. And you set up camp. And it's nighttime. Is anybody actually sleeping? I don't think so. Like if they had Netflix, they'd binge watch something just to kind of get their minds busy, right? There's no way anybody's sleeping. Instead, they're probably asking a lot of other questions like, well, should we build a bridge across the Jordan? Like, is anybody talking military strategy? Should we be sharpening our swords? Like, how are we going to do this? Can we do anything? Can we do something? And Joshua says, no. Look with me at Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. And Joshua commands the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Now the Ark was both a symbol and a representative of God's presence with the people. And Joshua doesn't say, hey, God might be with us. No, he says God is with us. And he doesn't even just say that God is with us. Interestingly enough, he says, God will go before us, and you are to follow. And let's look at what happens next. Jump down to verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, just FYI. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. And then it goes on to describe this unfortunate town where all this water collects. <laughs> What's going on? Who's, you know, who backed up the pipes? Uh, verse 17. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. God makes a way where there seems to be absolutely no way. And this is where we come to understand or need to have a second expectation if we ever expect to step forward. And here it is. 
our first step is never God's first step. Our first step is never God's first step. I mean, sure, he just called Israel, right, to come to the brink of the water and to do something courageously obedient. And then right when they get to the brink of the river, God says, wait, 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 stop, stop. I'll go first and then follow me. And we see something really crucial about the character of God and that he never calls us to go anywhere that he himself has not already gone. God is always one step ahead of us. And isn't this the call of Christ? When Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him, is it not after he has taken up our cross and died for us? After Jesus calls us to blaze and go down the the narrow path, is it not he the one who's the the trailblazer, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, as the author of Hebrews brilliantly says? You see, Jesus calls us to himself. And and, 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 And we know so clearly here, and Joshua is being reiterated again and again and again, that God is with you, Joshua. God is with God's people. And we know that even more so. Now, having Jesus gone to the cross, rose again, and the Spirit within us, we know that God is with us, but we often forget that God is actually going before us. That he's going before you in those difficult conversations. That he's going before you in those job interviews. That he's going before you in those challenges that you face individually, the challenges we face as a church corporately, those areas of courageous obedience and challenge. We have to remember that our first step is never, ever, ever God's first step. But he's always ahead of us, calling us now to follow Which leads us to our third and final expectation, if we ever expect to step out. And it comes a little bit later in Joshua chapter 4 here. After they've crossed over the Jordan River. So so they've walked across the Jordan River on dry ground, and God says, I want you to stop again. But this time, I want you to build something. All right? Let's look at what that is together In chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, okay? Verses 1 through 7. Now, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Israel was to build a memorial, a a space that was to conjure up for Israel's children's children's children. That's a lot of children. Like, so just the next generation after the next generation, such that when they looked at those stones, 
It came with a story of the amazing work that God has done in history at that particular point in time so that no one would ever forget that this story would continue to speak for generations to come. And this is what sometimes we often forget, I forget, is that the land right here, really every bold faith moment in history is so much bigger than that one moment. God's always got a much bigger a bigger plan than just that very singular moment in history. And what we need to understand, what we need to actually expect, if we ever expect to step out, this is it, is that, yeah, our first step is never God's first step, but our first step is never God's last step either. You see, the bold faith steps you take today, they don't end with you. But they go on to impact. And let me ask, do you even have the eyes to see that? That your life, you're not an island. Not just today, so the people who are around you, the decisions you make, whether to ignore courageous obedience or not, impact the people around you in ways that you sometimes wish they wouldn't, right? But they do. Do you have the eyes to see how your bold steps of faith today impact the people around you and the people after you, the generations of people you may never even meet by the decisions you make today? Our first step is never God's last step, and he uses the steps we make today to impact people way after us and much further outside of us than we can fathom. And this is why, frankly, this is why God doesn't freak when Moses dies. Well, uh, this why that's why God doesn't, you know, start just blowing up like, oh no, Moses! Like I've done all these things through Moses. What am I going to do? No, because God's mission, His mission to bless the nations, right? That He started through Abraham. His mission to to proclaim this good news of what He's done exclusively through His person, His Son, the person and work of Jesus Christ. That mission doesn't end with one person, but it goes on. And God has so much more in mind to impact the generations of people and to use countless folks for his good purposes. And so when we come to our mission as Christ's community, a mission that's informed by Scripture to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and our world for Jesus Christ, this is a baton we've received by those and from those who came before us. And by God's grace, is a baton we can hand off to those we haven't even met yet, to those beyond us. And listen, I, I feel this. The tyranny of the urgent often is like right heavy upon us, right? And sometimes it's hard to see past the challenges of today or even the challenges of tomorrow to think of the challenges of another generation. And yet God has so much more in store for the decisions we make today and how he'll continue to use them for generations hereafter. And we've talked a lot about the first steps that have been made that, that God uniquely used. Once again, there's, Christ Community is not better than any other church, but we've talked about the unique story of Christ Community and how God has worked through the first steps of those like Tom and Liz in Christ Community and the first steps of many of you who helped launch this downtown campus and how God's blessed us. But may we never get so comfortable that we think that God's done writing this story. Because we're on those banks again of Jordan, and it's time, it's time to figure out if we're going to cross it again. 
Now, I said this at the beginning, and I've said this every week, mainly just because I think there's a lot of baggage here, but I just want you to know that we know the church is more than a building, okay? I, I can't say it enough. And yet we also know that like this, when, when a church space, like a facility is the right size and it's configured in the right way, it just empowers us to carry out a shared mission in a much more strategic way. And I know when we've been talking about this, some of you have had a lot of questions, right? So what's the cost, Gabe? You know, what's the timeline? And I hope some of us, I hope we've been asking, well, how can I be a part of the solution in the midst of this tenacious place? Well, so we have two buildings on the horizon, one here downtown in the crossroads, really excited about, one in Shawnee Mission, really excited about. And so let me just give you the quick update for the downtown one first, okay? In the negotiations for the downtown one, we're not as far as we'd like to be yet, so I can't give you a whole lot of new news other than we're trying to find the price that makes the sellers and us as the buyers equally content or maybe equally discontent. I don't know which is the more appropriate way to put it. Um, but it's continuing to progress along, and we're continuing to refine those details, and I hope to have some more specifics for you soon, okay? But, but that's where we are in that process. And frankly, since I haven't talked a lot about our Shawnee Mission Campus, I want to spend the majority of our time there because we're in a shared mission. It's not just about downtown, right? It's about us together across five campuses for Kansas City and the glory of God in Kansas City. And so what about the Shawnee Mission uh, space? Well, we believe it's strategically positioned the Shawnee Mission Campus staff team and us as a leadership team think it's like in one of the best places ever. It's right along Shawnee Mission Parkway in between 435 and 35, just to give you an idea, okay? And also it's about 27,000 square feet, which to give you some perspective, that's bigger than our Brookside Campus. Um, wow, yeah, like, oh, now I got it. Um, which means there's capacity for growth and some opportunities for deep engagement throughout the week. We're super excited about that. And, and they've been looking for four years, and it's been a more difficult journey. It's in a former, check this, a former Hobby Lobby. So if you're feeling crafty. Um, <laughs> and what's also really great about that is it's a big open space, which means we can, we can go with it and design it the way we need it to be designed. Also just found out this last week, in the midst of the negotiations for that space, we have come to an agreed-upon price for that one, which is huge. Um, and to give you an idea, to purchase that space and to do some renovations, it's going to cost us just under $3 million, which is really crazy. And to give you another idea, to purchase land to try to build something new or to rent something short-term or long-term, all of those other options are going to be more expensive than that. Um, so we are, we're ecstatic, and I could talk to you more about what that's going to look like, but since we showed a video of me last week everywhere else, um, I'd rather you hear from Tim Spanberg, my friend and colleague, the campus pastor of the Shawnee Mission Campus, and one of our elders who attends there as they tell you about that opportunity. Let's watch. Well, good morning, Christ community. My name is Tim Spanberg, and I serve as the campus pastor at our Shawnee Mission Campus. And I'm Mitch Holtus, and I'm an elder at Christ Community who attends our Shiny Mission Campus. 
We're excited to be on video with you this morning. This is a big week for our campus. We have reached an agreement on a building in Shawnee, which is a process that goes back over four years. Before we even announced that there would be a Shawnee campus, I was in a car driving around Shawnee, looking at buildings, trying to find a long-term home for our campus. And four years after setting up and tearing down, for whatever reason, uh, God waited a while, but here we are. Yeah, for uh, we were there at the beginning of Shawnee Mission and just Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, thinking, you know, starting at Maranatha Academy and recently at Trail Ridge Middle School, setting up and tearing down, thinking maybe just to taste the sweet nectar of the uh, Anza. Mr. are you talking about the building in Shawnee or Patrick Mahomes? Actually both, to tell you the truth. Uh, one thing that's been great, I'm so proud uh, of our folks at Shawnee Mission, but what I've been able to see, Tim, over the past four years is something that's real. It's the great thing about Christ's community, real faith, uh, real study of the word, uh, a real spirit to work together no matter the situation. Yeah, when I think about taking that real community we have and, and having a home that we can invite people into, that gets me excited that this move isn't just about us not having to set up and tear down anymore. It's about having a home to invite other people into. And I think about our partnership with Advice and Aid, where we often do events with them, but we do them at other churches or other facilities. Now we can welcome them in into our, our home. When I think about just the community presence and the rootedness, I get really excited. Yeah, a couple things I want to mention too is one, when you invite and reach out people to attend worship with you, it gets a little awkward with the whole set up and tear down. You're trying to have a meaningful conversation, but it's kind of like going to dinner and they're painting or putting up wallpaper around you. The second thing, what excites me about being on the elder leadership team is to see the cooperation in this endeavor with all five campuses, sacrifices that are being made. And again, that oneness in five, so to speak, uh, of people reaching out saying, hey, we want you to have a home. Yeah, we have a mission that we cannot accomplish alone. And, and thinking about that, this past summer, there was a season actually where we didn't have to tear down at at church and, and it created space for conversation. And so there was a morning, uh, Misty and I, we were hanging out after church, just catching our breath and, and in walked a friend of ours who was, was just hurting, was frustrated and came in just in this refreshingly honest conversation. And we, we talked, we prayed, it was a powerful, powerful moment. Three weeks ago, we could not have had that conversation because the room would have been uh, torn down and people all around us. It wouldn't have been possible. And that's why we're excited about this potential building. And here's the thing, we can't take that step without all of us together moving in the same direction, that our mission takes all of us together. And here's the thing about that person who came and, and talked to my wife and I. She actually used to attend our Leewood campus, but, but she lived in Shawnee. It was too far of a drive and eventually uh, fell out of it being able to attend Christ Community. And then, and then four years ago, we planted in Shawnee where she could walk to our church with her family. And a couple weeks ago, we were watching the Chiefs game after church. And there in the midst of pizza, she came up to me and she just said, Tim, thank you for this church. And that was a thank you that took all of us together on mission. And now it's time for us to go and do it again. So here we are. Uh, we're at a Jordan River kind of moment. And what do we do next? Well, I want you to mark your calendars, okay? Because on December 9th, it's a Sunday night. Chiefs game's at noon, so it shouldn't bother too many of you. Um, December 9th, we're going to have a unique congregation meeting, December night, Sunday night, at our Olathe campus, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to have details on both of these facilities that we're going to walk through and vote on. 
moving forward. And what we're really going to be voting on is debt. How much debt are we willing to take to purchase and renovate these two facilities moving forward? And I got to be honest, it's a bit terrifying um, to think about all the details coming together by December 9th, but it's extraordinarily exciting that this is what God could be doing. And think about what he could do through these places and you as people, us as people, and what God's calling us to. Now, I don't know what the number is yet, or I tell you, um, just to kind of prepare you, but I know it's going to be a bold faith number, and it's going to cause sacrifice from each and every one of us, not all of us, but each and every one of us. So as you're etching into your calendar December 9th and you're holding back your Netflix streaming and you know like you're like I'm going to be there because this is important and downtowners we really need you to be there because this is our space right coming down the pike so please 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 make it a point to be there Um, but in the meantime here's what I want to ask two things all right one and I know it gets awkward when people talk about money but we think it's really important okay would you consider financially giving to this Um, maybe something above and beyond what you regularly give to help move this forward, to make this space available here in downtown to continue to reach folks. If you're someone who tries to strategically think through end of your giving, if that's a part of your rhythm, I hope this has stirred your imagination as to what God's doing here and why this is a trustworthy place um, to invest the resources that God's given you to further his mission. Secondly, okay, yes, give, but also pray and pray just as much. And uh, maybe pray more. I don't know. Uh, Pray for us in all of this. Pray for contracts, due diligence, discernment, wisdom. You name it. Pray for us to be a generous church. Pray for us in this process that we would be formed into a more faithful church through this intense next step. Because listen, who knows who's going to be walking in the door because now we have capacity for more folks, both on Sunday and the engagement throughout the week. And now these two different communities in Kansas City And isn't that why we do this? To reach the people we haven't even met yet? That more people might know about Jesus and know the love of Jesus in real tangible ways? Well, it takes tangible places to do that. And here's the deal. I don't know what it's going to look like when we actually step our feet in the water. But what I do know is that I, I, I see all these people who've come before us, like this great cloud of witnesses that are charging us on to step out. And I think about the generations that are yet to be here who desperately need us to do this. And I don't know why God has us here at this moment with these two spaces. I don't have an answer for that. But here's what I want. This is what I long for. I long for however many years it is down the road when those names that we have not yet been able to name but God is already prepared to call to a part of his church those people we haven't met yet, that next generation, when they're gathered in that space, and I'm old and I'm gray, older and grayer, uh, and I can stand before them and I can look back to this moment and say, listen, God God did amazing wonders through us because God isn't done working in his world yet. That's what I want to be able to say. I want to be able to point back to this moment and celebrate God's faithfulness through his people. But we can't get that last step without taking the first big one. And so we have to be willing to take that first big, courageous, obedient step, knowing that it isn't God's first step. So will we step out together? But first, let's pray real quick. (laughs) Let's pray.
God, thanks so much for this morning. Thanks for your word and just the story of faithfulness after the story of failure that we see in Scripture. God, I know what story I want to be a part of. And so whatever you have in store for us, may we be faithful. May it not be our fear that holds us back. But if it, by your will, this one or both of these buildings aren't what you have, would you make that abundantly clear? But may it not be our fear that stops us, but rather, may we step out in bold faith. Help us to be faithful. May this be a learning process, a formative process for us as a church because we don't want to be a house without a home and we want to be the people that we need to be for those people who walk into those doors. So continue to form us, continue to mold us and make us and we just want to say thank you in advance for whatever it is you have in store as we seek to be obedient to your calling to make disciples. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of his spirit. Amen.